Welcome to the Swift Teacher Podcast, Episode 4. One lesson at a time towards... Swift World Domination. Joining us today is Stacy Schnigowski. Stacy works for Mobile Makers, and we'll learn a little bit about that in a minute. Stacy graduated from Purdue University in 2005 with a Bachelor of Science in Mathematics Education and a minor in French. She began her career in the Chicago Public School Systems. Over the next 10 years, she worked with in the district as a teacher and instructional coach to design learning experiences for K-12 students and teachers in math, science, engineering, technology, and foreign languages. Her training with the New Teacher Center developed her skills in adult learning, instructional coaching strategies, and mentoring techniques. For the last two years, Stacy has worked with Mobile Makers EDU to support high school teachers to bring mobile app development into their schools and iOS developers to develop their skill sets and in instruction. She enjoys working with both educators and software developers from across the U.S. and across the globe. To this date, Stacy's work has advanced the learning of more than 200 teachers and almost 14,000 students. In her spare time, Stacy works with her husband to run their creativity clubhouse business, Wholesome Zine a place for artists to gain 21st century skills to promote their craft. She manages the operations, training, and internships, and social media for the company, in addition to being a DJ on Wholesome Radio. Hi, Stacy. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for coming on the pod. So for full disclosure to everybody out there, Stacy and I did uh, an Everyone Can Code event. Uh, well, it was more like a whirlwind uh, Texas <laughs> tour last November. So uh, if there are things we share, it's because we did spend a few days together presenting uh, on Swift and the Everyone Can Code curriculum. So Stacy, please tell us who you are and what you do and how that relates to both education and coding. Great. Thanks, Brian. Um, so thank you for that great intro. It was, uh, it's been a while since I've reflected on all the things I have done, so it was good to hear again. Um, but I'm because I've really been in the thick of working with teachers to bring mobile app development to their schools um, in the last year. So my role is now technically the director of member experience at Uncharted Learning, and Uncharted Learning is an organization that has both mobile app development and entrepreneurship curriculums for schools. We really focus on empowering the teachers in the school communities to own their own programs on their campus. Um, so my role is really in that of training, supporting, and developing curriculum for teachers and students. And I also work with the teachers throughout the school year um, to provide ongoing support and development with for them in conjunction with working iOS developers who help me to create what that um, that enhancement to their skill set is. So a lot of my day-to-day -day is helping schools bring mobile app development to their school because it's a great way to increase the amount of students who get into coding in CS and managing these teachers, some who have never coded before in their life but they have been successful teachers, to be able to teach both coding or on the other side, entrepreneurship. Wow. So sounds like you wear a lot of hats. Yes. Yeah, that was a, the simplest version of how I could describe what I would do on a regular basis. Um, I go out to schools. I connect with people in virtual webinars and 
hangouts and things on, on the computer. We also, I get to support our student contests and uh, meet with developers at software development shops. So it's, it's really great for someone that likes to do a lot of things, which has always been me. So if I remember from November correctly, in November, there is now an official partnership between Apple and Mobile Makers. So Mobile Makers is like an endorsed professional development stream for teachers who want to become and learn how to teach coding. You've got it. So back in um, the, some, the spring of 2014, there were some teachers looking to teach a mobile app development class to their students and they came to Mobile Makers, which at the time was an adult boot camp for adults wanting to change their career to be working iOS developers. And Mobile Makers said to those teachers that they would not only help them learn how to be mobile app development teachers, but they would also help build a curriculum. And that was right when Swift was released. And so my job kind of came into being because suddenly we went from two teachers to nine teachers ready to pilot teaching Swift in the fall of 2014. So it's been a very exciting time. Um, as we were on Apple's radar, they released their first um, official curriculum, I believe it was like January of 2015. And it's been exciting to learn with them and share with them and hear from them too. Wow, that, that would be really helpful for teachers, I would think, as, as somebody who was self-taught to a certain extent and then went to a boot camp, having the option of going to mobile makers and have curriculum tailored to me as a teacher who wants to learn to code and then teach coding, well, I, I, that would have been very beneficial for me and probably saved me a lot of hours and frustration. Yeah, I think mobile makers has always had a value of both treating developers as professionals and educators as professionals. And so when Don Bora, one of our founders of Mobile Makers, heard that teachers wanted to learn, he knew he needed to tap into educational expertise. And my colleague, Jesse Chartier, was brought on. And since then, the two of us have just been taking it and running it and bringing coding and mobile app development specifically to as many high school and even middle school teachers as we can. Wow, that's fantastic. And speaking of Jesse, she was on a recent podcast, the Out of School podcast with Fraser Spears. Mm -hmm. And she said, and I want to get your take on this. She said she finds it easier to turn teachers into coders than coders into teachers. Now, I was a teacher who became a coder. You were a teacher that became a coder. However, Fraser and then my last guest, Daniel Budd, uh, who is in Australia, were coders who became teachers. What is your thought on that so as as you explained everyone um, how I've worked with a lot of teachers throughout the, my my professional career I have definitely seen a lot of people with industry experience um, struggle when it comes to working with adolescent minds adolescent behaviors um, and I truly believe that if you are a 21st century educator, then you must be a constant learner and that your job is not to be a content expert, but to be an expert learner. And because I believe that teachers, at least successful, hardworking teachers doing it the right way are expert learners, I do believe that you can take an expert learner and turn them into a coder. Just as Apple says, everyone can code, I say, well, then teachers can code. Um, there are very talented developers and engineers and scientists and mathematicians out there that would be able to transition into the field of teaching. But I think if you had to pick one direction to have more success, 
I'd lean towards the teachers who know how to learn um, and know how to deal with ambiguity, but have that that craft and that skill set of leading, guiding, mentoring, learning of youth um, over trying to, to impart 15 years of knowledge of working with youth onto the mind of a engineer who has great expertise. But I think every there's always a strength. It, it comes both ways. I you know as somebody who um, has taught had taught for 19 years in a math classroom, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, it takes a special person to work with kids. And that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast was for teachers who may be a little bit reticent, like, I don't know if I can do that. You know, with a lot of the tools out there and with the expertise of the people at Mobile Makers, there really is a, a definite path now. If, if, if you're out there and you, doesn't matter what you teach, and you have an interest in learning how to code, there is a pathway for you. Okay, well, now that we've talked about that and, and the pathway, what was your journey to teaching coding or learning to code and, and doing that when you were um, in the integration part of your job when you were in education? It's a great question and something I come back to a lot because I think about what if mobile makers had existed when I was in high school, would I have taken that class? And um, as you explained, I've, I've loved math and I've loved foreign language. I, I had the opportunity to take French in high school and my senior year, I remember requesting to take Spanish one and it not being allowed to fit on my schedule or something like that. But I've always been interested in learning new languages. And I think um, that's just something that why I've never been turned off to learning coding. So when I was in college, I had the opportunity to be one female in a lecture hall of 350 out of five with five other females um, learning C and really not coding, but just getting the theory. Um, so it wasn't the greatest taste into the CS world, but it was something. Um, and then when I got into the classroom, I love project-based learning and I love applying mathematics to the real world so I seized the opportunity to lead the robotics team at our school and when it kind of came to divvying up who was going to dig into the hardware versus the software of the of the robot I always lean towards software and so I started doing a little bit of coding there um, mostly visual basic nothing too sophisticated and then I also had the opportunity to teach a Principles of Engineering course through Project Lead the Way, um, where I learned some more coding in order to build a marble sorter. I had to program a, something to read the color of a marble and then determine what color it was and put it into a bid. So um, I never was turned off by those opportunities. And so when I took the path of being an instructional coach and then lost my job a few times because I was a non-essential teaching position, I decided to take my passion for learning and my lack of fear around coding and development to build myself a website. And so I learned on my own how to make an iWeb website, which then led me to Squarespace. So I've kind of been dabbling in HTML and CSS, which is, I know, scripting languages, not coding languages, but it's just kind of it's been something I've been involved in. And um, I also, my, the company that my husband and I started really was 
the idea for it was born out of the birth of the iPhone back in 2007, 2008. And since then, we've spent a lot of our off work hours discussing Objective-C or just iOS development in general. So even if I wasn't actually coding and talking syntax, I've been thinking about um, about object-oriented programming and, and working in the world with code. I also think we live in a computer maybe, so there's my <laughs> other aspect. Uh, that is your version of the grand conjecture. <laughs> you know, once you've been in enough of it, you start to think differently, so... Or maybe the matrix, you think we're actually living in the matrix. Yes, I, I had a conversation with a CS teacher about that last week. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm not sure that's the content for this podcast, but maybe <laughs> at an after show or a bonus show sometime. Yeah. Uh, wh when, what has the staff at Mobile Makers, um, what has been their favorite part of teaching coding to teachers? It's oh, a great question. Um, I think that the one thing that teachers bring to the table, especially teachers that have um, a persona similar to mine where they've sought opportunities to learn new tech and they're not afraid of learning, um, is that they have this grit and resilience that not everyone has refined yet. So when you're when, you, when I've had the experience of working with non-educators to learn coding versus educators, you can see and hear the educators talking out loud and being intentional with how and why they're learning things. Um, they really want to understand and not just get through, which actually makes them more prepared to support other learners. And they're willing to fail and get things wrong. Um, I, While working with regular adults who are not educators, sometimes they'll tell you that they've finished something or they've done something, but they haven't. And there's this fear of being wrong. Whereas a teacher will very quickly be the first one to tell you in the morning or even that night while you're while they're working on, on their own, I'm stuck. I don't know where to go. Here's all the things I've tried. I, please, somebody help me. And having that willingness to um, expose your ignorance and ask for help and use the resources around you really can help you accelerate as a, as a coder and as a developer, which is part of why I, I like teaching teachers so much. Well, I think that that aspect of being willing to fail and try is essential to being a coder because mm -hmm. you know you're going to write a lot of code that's terrible and then you have to refine it and iterate over it right mm -hmm. so yeah that's probably something that lends itself well from teaching to coding definitely and I'm, i think that the biggest shift for some of these teachers is reminding themselves that they don't have to be the owner of all the knowledge in their classroom and that they are going to have times when their students will know more than them or their students will be teaching them something. And that is definitely a mind shift, but it is the innovative mindset that many of the best educators are, are pushing themselves to no matter what their content is. Even if you're teaching biology these days, there's new stuff coming out all the time that you need to be able to learn and explore with your students. You might not be the master of it all. That's an interesting point because that was definitely a transition I had to make going from a math classroom, I was used to being the sage on the stage mm -hmm. instead of just a, a, a guide for them to learn. And that, you know, that's an excellent point because I definitely had to go through that transition as well. Mm -hmm. How is, um, what steps or how is Mobile Makers teacher, teaching teachers to learn to code? Mm -hmm. Great question. So 
because we kind of were born out of this boot camp model and we had experience working with working professional adults, um, we've had a lot of opportunities to learn what works and what doesn't work with teachers. And so one thing that we do know we value is some in-person immersive experience, um, not just because it's a good way to immerse yourself in the language of the code and and be surrounded by people who are talking it from the very early mornings um, to the late at night times, but also because it gives you an opportunity to experience being a student in the way that you're going to teach it as a teacher. So we're not, our teachers aren't virtually teaching their students for the most part. They're in a traditional classroom setting with their students. So we think it's important for them to come to a place and be students in a classroom setting together. And in that, in those instances, we're modeling a lot of instructional techniques and strategies that they can replicate and take back. And they have the ability to experience, not just hear or watch a video of them. Um, we also understand that not everything can be learned at once and that there's some processing time that is involved. So we're actually, we've shifted our model to be a one week summer boot camp for teachers. And this summer will be hosted in Chicago. And then we have some ongoing learning sessions on some Saturdays throughout the, primarily in the first semester of the school year, where the teachers are getting some ongoing training so they can get into the more uh, advanced coursework from the second semester of our curriculum. And on top of all this training, we have ongoing support and development through the use of a of a Slack channel where our teachers are able to collaborate with each other and, I, and iOS developer mentors, but also through regularly scheduled meetups throughout the school year that are part of our professional learning community. So people, um, teachers synchronously attend or sometimes asynchronously and they watch videos and talk with each other afterwards. But throughout the entire school year, there's a constant churn of learning, both about the instruction of code and how do you teach coding, but also Swift and Swift syntax and iOS frameworks and iOS development tools that will help them throughout the school year. So it sounds like you're not just, okay, here's your boot camp. Okay, you're done. See you later. You're on your own. It sounds like there's a lot of ongoing support for teachers. You've got it. It's We say that the boot camp is just the beginning um, and that it's really where they're getting um, they're learning the tools, they're learning the resources in front of them and how to access them. But as the school year goes on, we know that they might forget where something lives or they might need a refresher on how to do something and we're there for them. And we also are trying to, we're not trying, but we are respectful of our teachers that have done this before. And we, again, that value of educators as a profession, we are recognizing our master teachers and our lead teachers and providing them opportunities to provide support and mentorship to our new teachers. So it's really this one great professional learning community, I think something that we all want to be part of and um, I'm happy to be part of making it happen for our teachers. So you mentioned there's ongoing um, communication and one in ways through a Slack channel with a, an iOS developer mentor. Is that where Wade, somebody like Wade, who we who I met in Texas, is that where he comes in? You've got it. Wade is one of our iOS developer mentors. So he's a working professional, he's a professional working developer. He has a regular job. Um, 
he was with GoPro for a while, so he's he's on to a new new project now. He's always working on new things, and um, they are there in the Slack channel. We promise a 24-hour turnaround. Sometimes it's 24 minutes, but our promise is 24 hours. Often other teachers will get to teachers before the developer mentors needed, but um, we have that person there who is available to do meet hangouts or Skype conversations or FaceTimes, whichever platform of the teacher's choice, um, so that they can catch up on something that they may have forgotten. It's also a place for teachers to go when the students have something um, that they've exhausted their ability to identify the problem or the solution. Um, but And Wade's a little bit of a, or iOS developer mentors beyond Wade, they're kind of teachers to the teachers. I, in the work background, work with them about how are they supporting our teachers? Are they giving away too many answers versus guiding the teachers to find the answers on their own? So we're very meta with how we support our teachers and students. Well, it sounds like you're, you're guiding them, but they have to also construct some knowledge for themselves, which is important because when you're out there in the classroom, you you know you need to be able to think through and problem solve. Okay, I'm, I'm having this problem. Students having this problem. How do I solve it? Exactly. So have you had a chance? I assume you do. Well, I know that you have. You've seen the Swift Playgrounds app and you've seen the intro to app development with Swift. What are your thoughts about those as teaching tools for teachers out in the in the schools? Yeah, so I'll have to tell you, I had the privilege of going to WWDC last spring. So I actually got to meet Daniel Budd. He's amazing. Oh. <laughs> and um, But when I was, prior to being there, I was preaching to the people around me. I was like, Apple needs to put Xcode on an iPad. That We have to be able to do Swift on an iPad. We just have to. It's got to happen. So Swift Playgrounds, the app, is is my dream come true. Um, I actually threw a little party for myself when it happened because I think that Swift is such a easy to learn language for someone that has very little background on coding or no background at all that moving it to a mobile device like the iPad so that younger and younger um, students have access to that tool is, is a great thing. So I love Swift Playgrounds for its ability to get somebody onboarded as a new coder. And on the other end, I do understand the value of Swift Playgrounds for advanced developers as a place for them to really play around and tinker with problems that they're working on that are part of really big, giant apps. So it's really exciting. Um, and, and the teacher resources from the iTunes U course to the screen or the the videos that are part of that iTunes U course, there are keynote slide decks for teachers to use. Um, the lesson objectives and student outcomes are all there. I mean, it's a great starting place for any teacher that is new to code or even has been teaching coding but doesn't have the time to reinvent the wheel. I have been, I taught, this is my second year teaching Swift, and I actually started with an hour of code teaching Swift uh, the in 2014 when Swift came out and I'm using those tools because because they're really good mm -hmm. and they're probably better or as better than anything I could um, create or at least as good as so why spend that extra time doing that when I could spend my time like what I'm doing now which is learning server-side Swift so, <laughs> yep just because that's so much fun 
Yeah, and the, and the great part is, you know, it's Apple, so they're always iterating and releasing new things as well. I feel like every month or so, there's a new um, playground in the Swift Playgrounds app that's even more advanced or teaches something new that I was hoping they would release a resource on. And it's really cool also to be able to go under the hood and look at the code that already exists for some of these more advanced concepts and as a teacher it's always great when you can have exemplars and models of what a real professional does yes well they've definitely been updating it i know the learn to code 3 has been updated like two or three times in the last month and every time i go in there my students like do we have to update it again i'm like yeah <laughs> so get used to it that's part of being a developer <laughs> and that's what i said to him i said you know apple releases thousands of apis every june and then at, you know developers spend their summers updating their apps and everything that's what you're signing up for so yeah you have mentioned previously that you had worked in another language and when you were working in the project lead the way so other than that how does Swift compare to other languages you have previously worked with or taught? Mm -hmm. Well, so now that I'm thinking about this question, I am realizing that I, when beginning iOS development, I did start with Objective-C, not Swift, um, both on my own when I was doing stuff with my husband and the background, but also when I came to Mobile Makers, we were building out Swift curriculum, but our adult bootcamp was still using Objective-C. And Swift is awesome. Um, because it's just so readable and the dot syntax of it is great. The lack of extra verbiage that Objective-C required um, is great. The fact that it just, it's so much, I don't know, I keep coming back to the word readable and understandable from when I think of my other languages. Even when there was a visual component to the language that I was using, sometimes there were symbols that were supposed to represent, a pi the picture is supposed to represent something in the co code, and I didn't even understand what the picture meant. So I think that the fact that Swift is open source and the fact that there's so many things out there that other new people new to the language are learning and sharing about their own learnings really just makes it a no-brainer as a place to start for someone new to coding. So that seems to be like a theme because Daniel said the exact same two things in the last episode that, you know, it's readable, it reads just like English. It's so we would say that's an, it's a really expressive language and it, it is, and it is the most readable programming language out there. And that's going to help when you're teaching, because I know I say to my students, if you were just reading as an English sentence, what would it say? And then they read it and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I got it now. And the other part we talked about was the open sourcing of Swift and the community that has uh, emerged around Swift once it has been open source because it'll run on Linux and they're porting it to other language to other platforms. So that's really a, a big thing, I think. Yeah, definitely. And it it's just um, the the barrier to entry is really low. And, you know, when you're using an older language, you have to read what you're saying, read the code, translate it in your head into what it means algorithmically, and then translate again into what it means in English. There's something about Swift that kind of takes away a step of translation in your head. Yes, I, I know your pain with Objective-C. <laughs> These kids have no idea. It's, al it's almost like a rite of passage that they're not yeah. going to get, but yeah, you know, that's it'll, true. Sp it'll spare them a lot of pain. They can learn it after, right? Yeah. 
Right, right. Yeah, because it's not going anywhere for at least a few years. No, no. What has been the most surprising to your teachers uh, when they're working with um, Swift in teaching teachers or those teachers who are learning when they're working with their students? What have you heard? What has been the most surprising? So I think for the teachers that have taught computer science before, um, they feel really surprised and kind of elated how, of how similar Swift is to Java. Um, they feel like at first they're very, they may be nervous that they have to learn a new language, that they're going to teach a new language, they're used to something that they've already been doing, it's on the APCS test. Um, but then they get into Swift and they realize, oh wow, this really is setting them up for learning other languages. Um, and for the teachers that have never coded before, I think it's just the fact that they can do it and that they're not using a a simplified version of coding. They're using a language, they're coding with the language that professionals are using. You know, th this is the language that um, the Weather Channel redid their app in and I think it, Lyft has updated their app to be in Swift. They're, um, a, I'm working with some iOS developers who are doing both Objective-C and Swift for the companies they're in, but where all new code is in Swift. And so it's really surprising to them that they're doing something that is in the industry, the norm, and something that can also get their students internships and um, contracts, like little summer job opportunities. To It's a real thing. It's not fake. So teachers have responded well then? Yes. Yeah, they've been excited by the fact that this is something that can be used in the real world immediately by their students. So it's not some kind of just contrived language that really doesn't, won't allow them to, or their students to do something in the real world. What I think of is, you know, I know a lot of people love Scratch and Scratch Junior, mm -hmm. but that's not a real programming language per se. Yes, I totally agree. Um, my my metaphor that I've been telling everyone <laughs> because I'm so passionate about it is Scratch is to um, Swift what Easy Bake Oven is to Master Chef Junior. You know, one is a simulated kitchen, a simulated cake. You know, it's is it really real? Are they really learning the tools of the profession? Maybe. Whereas the other is. They are using the real things adults use and whether if they're talented and as much as they're willing to learn and push themselves, they can start to use more and more advanced tools, kind of getting into those sharper knives and the fire and um, the ovens that are more complex to use. Wow. I think, uh, I think if, if anybody from Apple listens to this episode, they're like, oh, that could be a tagline for some <laughs> promotion. That is a great, that is a great analogy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, I mean, it's, it's, and it's the truth. It's, that's what's so awesome is like, if you're teaching Swift to middle school or high school students, they are using what the real professionals use. It's not for kids. It's real, but kids can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think it is beneficial for students in school to learn to code? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so there's a famous quote from Carl Sagan that's kind of been a driving factor to why I've embraced technology so much in my life. And I'm, you can look it up to find the actual quote, but it, it's something about um, we're quickly advancing into a society that's more and more dependent on technology. And the 
less people know about that technology, the more they can be fooled or taken advantage of. And so my passion for students learning to code in school is so that they understand the technology that operates the world they live in so that they can have a voice in it and not just be controlled or users of it, but be creators. Um, so I just, we're, we're in a world where you can make, you can use something like workflow to have your phone do a program for you um, to save you time. There's, it's the future and I, I think how people in my generation had to learn how to make PowerPoints, I, I do truly think that some of those 13 year olds right now will be making apps in their first job, even if it's not anything to go in an app store, but if it's just to help them solve a problem, I think they're gonna do it. Well, and I think when you learn to code, it teaches you so many things about problem solving and algorithmic thinking and just it helps you to figure things out. And once you do that, working on your technology, your personal technology, seems a lot easier. And if you can't figure out technology, then you're going to pay somebody to figure it out for you. Exactly. No, and you, thank you for reminding of, of all the great things of that critical thinking and problem solving and grit and perseverance. Those are all things that, that come along with code too. But what you just said, I used to say in my math classroom to students, there's two types of people in this world, people that know math and people that get taken advantage of by people that know math. <laughs> Who yeah. do you want to be? And I think that that statement is just like what you said. It's the same in code. You can build something for yourself or you can hire someone to do it for you. Yeah, I, I said this in the last episode to Daniel and I'll say it to you that I, I would tell my students there are three kinds of people in the world people who are good at technology people who pay people who are good at technology and then there are software developers who make software for the first two groups who really make a lot of money <laughs> yes that's good it's not it's not a boolean I should have added a third category oh now we're getting in depth now we're really <laughs> throwing some terms in there it's not a boolean very good <laughs> So if we have a, a, a teacher who's interested in getting into coding or a school district that is considering starting to teach coding uh, or programming uh, with Swift, what suggestions do you have for them? Yeah, so one of the things they can do right away is look at the Apple's resources that they've released. And um, they have some iBooks that are out there and on their education website, you can find links to all those. You can also down, download, oops, there's a dog in the background. Sorry about that. I'm going to wait. Okay. Um, they can also download the Swift Playgrounds app if they have an, I, um, an iPad that runs iOS 10 or later. And those are all ways to just see what Brian and I have been talking about, about how easy it is um, to get started and what resources are there for teachers from Apple. And if you're a teacher that isn't already teaching CS or you are a CS teacher that's kind of siloed in your building and are looking to be part of a greater community, Mobile Makers might be something that would be interesting to you. And um, our website is mobilemakers.co, not .com. And we have some monthly, we've just started some monthly webinars that are two hours and they're free and you can get started in Swift with us. So if you are hesitant to jump into the Apple stuff on your own, we'll be there to walk you through it. Um, and it really gives teachers a feel for what it's like to not just code, but what it's like to be a mobile makers teacher too. So that's, that's another option out there as well. 
Well, also uh, from this, it's good to know that Mobile Makers is a pet-friendly work environment. <laughs> We're a startup, you know. That's no, it's what happens in the real world these days. <laughs> yes, right. summer is a big time for teachers to learn. Uh, when and where are Mobile Makers hosting some training sessions? Right. So this summer will be a um, the let's see the fourth week of July. So July twenty fourth through twenty eighth, we are hosting our year one teacher training as well as our current member and returning member summit. So we'll have two days of professional development for teachers that are have been out there teaching mobile makers for the last year, two or three years. We have some three year veterans under our belt, um, and then we have. I know that we have some upcoming workshops located in specific cities that you can check out on our website as well in the summer, but that that one week thing in July is our main thing. Oh, that's right. August 3rd and 4th, we're going to have something in Chicago as well. So um, we're housed out of Chicago, so that's where we're at. There, there will be events that pop up as school districts come to us and say, hey, we have people here that want to learn to code. and and we will come and provide them a workshop. But our official ones are July 24th through 28th, and then again, August 3rd and 4th in Chicago. All right, well, thanks for sharing with those. And I'll make sure I put in uh, links to Mobile Maker's website and that in the show notes. Great. So we there was an interesting discussion in November uh, about a personal tip you had for the young lady in Wichita Falls. Uh, do you have any personal tips for teachers as they're learning to code as they exp they experience difficulties or frustrations? Um, Specifically I'm, the rubber ducky. Oh, yes. I was going to say, which per which tip? Because I have a lot. <laughs> well, <laughs> please the, feel free to share as many as you'd like. No, the, the rubber ducky one. Now I know what you're talking about. I'll share that one. Um, so, well... I, as a person who got into teaching, part of it is I like talking with others and I realized now that that's because talking helps me learn. And in the world of software development, there are many times where you're by yourself or you're, you're just coding in a room, maybe your headphones are on, you might have, maybe it's during your prep period and you get stuck. And it's easy to get really frustrated and um, to want to quit. And sometimes the best thing to do is to talk out loud what you're trying to do. And if you don't have another person with you to pair program or another person who understands what you're talking about, you can, you can talk to the duck and you can put a little rubber ducky on your desk or maybe it's a picture of a rubber ducky on your, on your desktop. Um, but you talk out loud the problem you're trying to solve or where you're getting stuck. And in my experience when doing this with teachers, students, and adults, about six out of 10 times, just talking out loud what the problem is causes the person with the problem to have an aha, eureka moment. So that'd be one of my big tips is don't be afraid to talk to the duck and, um, and share your knowledge out loud because sometimes being stuck in your brain will slow you down. And that is a great tip for any teachers thinking about starting to teach coding or any teacher that is teaching coding uh, as a behavior to model for our students, because that is a real world skill that developers use. Yep. It's like a code review without another person. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, where can people find you, mobile makers, or the work online? 
Yeah, so I've mentioned Mobile Maker's website, and there's um, information on us there. We also have a Facebook page as well as a Twitter account. And then I'm personally pretty easy to find on the Internet as well. I have uh, a website. It's just stacysnigowski.com. And I also am on LinkedIn and Twitter and um, all kinds of other platforms. So if you search my name, there's one other woman who shares my name, but most of the stuff out there is me. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you're looking for the show notes for this episode, you can find them in your podcast uh, player of choice. They're also over at uh, swiftteacher.org. And you can find me online at uh, swiftteacher.org, on Twitter at, at bfouty, F-O-U-T-T-Y, and the podcast is at underscore Swift Teacher. Stacy, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me today. Uh, it, was, it was a great conversation, and you really have a lot of great pointers for teachers who are learning to code. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brian. It was great to talk with you and uh, hear from someone else who's been working with others to learn how to code. Thanks again. Thanks, Brian. Bye. Time to get Swifty. 